They deny, deny, but he made a rookie mistake by using his own padlock. I'd love to see him try to talk his way out of that one. Depths of Wikipedia. You're listening to Depths of Wikipedia with Annie Rowarda and Ha Jin Yu. Nick Fastman. Funny, he never married. The Battle of the Joshes. I thought the show was a metaphor. A place known as the body. Scuttle man stink. Harry Ball. It's time to invoke the first law of holes. Oh, bodega cat. When you're in one. Tell us about your bike, Alaska. Stop, Higgins. Doctor, what about Highway hypnosis. A ghost mall. Press any key to continue. Depths of Wikipedia. Hey guys! Welcome back to the Depths of Wikipedia podcast. It's Hajin, your host, joined by your other host, Annie. Hello. I hope everyone's doing well. Yeah, crazy week. Just a lot happening. There's a lot going on in the world. There is. But we won't talk about that. (laughs) You should definitely read the news, but for now, (laughs) we are going to talk about the Capitol Hill mystery soda machine one of the most pressing true mysteries of our time and just an incredible wikipedia read it's all about soda specifically rare or mystery soda and i i will say disclaimer i'm not a big soda girl myself i kind of like swore it off as a new year's resolution in like i don't know ninth grade maybe um which has been great for my like you know my teeth but probably bad in preparation for this episode because I'm not a soda expert. What about you, Hajin? Are you a big soda person? No, I try not to be. I do love hitting a good LaCroix here and there, (laughs) but it's all the fun of soda without the um, calories and sugar, you know? Oh, I'm all about LaCroix. Just like the carbonation. I'm just really into carbonation. It's, yeah, carbonation. I'm I'm really looking into getting a soda stream soon. I think that's going to be my big big purchase for 24 <laughs> um but yeah just by not knowing soda we do love this story we love this story so just a little trivia question before we get into it because i thought this was interesting hajin what do you think is the oldest soda in the u.s oh uh, the oldest soda um it, it's gotta be coca-cola you would think however <laughs> It's actually Dr. Pepper, which is kind of random to me. It was first sold in Waco in 1885, and then Coca-Cola was started only in 1886. Pepsi, 1898. IBC Root Beer, right in time for Prohibition in 1919. 7-Up, 1929. And Sprite in 1961. Oh, so Root Beer came as an alternative to regular beer? That's what it sounds like. Because Prohibition was 1920 wow. to 1933, and then this root beer took off in the 20s. Funny little um, tangent about root beer, but when my naive, not naive, but when my parents immigrated to America, they saw beer, they saw root beer at Meyer, and they thought it was alcoholic, so they would, like, drink it, and, like, via the placebo effect, they said they felt a little drunk, and they wouldn't let my brothers drink it. <laughs> Anyways, that's what I think whenever I think root beer. <laughs> How long did until they found out? I don't know. I think they were just like, oh, beer's... They told me, like, oh, beer's really sweet in America. Like, I don't think they clocked it. They were just, like, <laughs> totally 
ready to believe that it was alcoholic. That's so funny. Another fun fact is that soda water and carbonation predate, like, pop soda by a lot. By, like, because soda water first was invented in, like, the 1700s. That's when the first carbonation occurred. And then in the early 1800s, people were drinking soda water like crazy before they added sugar. That's great. Imagine being the guy who added sugar. Yeah. The world hasn't been the same since. Yeah, for real. Also, ginger ale was created in Ireland in 1851. So that was pretty early. And Ireland has a lot of gingers. Actually, they don't. (laughs) I hear it's like not that many people. I saw a TikTok about it. Anyways, that was a nice little, um, what do you call it? Intro? Should we get into it? Let's get into it. So, <laughs> the, let's set the scene. We're in the Capitol Hill neighborhood yeah. of Seattle. We're on the corner of John brisk Street. And fall, <laughs> brisk fall. Seattle afternoon. Yes, there's just energy in the air. The smell of the seas. Um, smell, of smell of marijuana. Smell of marijuana. The smell of <laughs> Uh, coffee, right? Starbucks started there. Yeah, Starbucks. S- smell of Amazon. <laughs> smell of Microsoft. <laughs> I've never been to Seattle. <laughs> but anyway, one can imagine you're at the corner of John Street and 10th East in Capitol Hill, and there is a locksmith, and then there's a parking lot, and then there's a fence, and then there's a sidewalk, and right like by the fence and sidewalk, there's this very old retro soda machine it has some graffiti it looks just ancient and to just a random viewer you might think okay whatever random trash on the sidewalk but to the people that know um it's actually quite the like mystical machine it dispenses rare or discontinued flavors of soda or some flavors that aren't available in the u.s some examples. Well, my the one that I'm most intrigued by is bacon infused Coca Cola, also Diet Hubba Bubba gum soda, lemon lime slice, Crystal Pepsi, which is Pepsi with no caramel color, Black Cherry Fresca, um, Pepsi AM, which was a '90s thing where it was a cola with 28% more caffeine. Marketed as a morning drink, uh, it actually has failed. Surprise! Um, most what? of these products, are, I think it could come back. It could. I feel like America's having such a coffee moment. Like everyone's just so into coffee in the past like ten years. That's true. So maybe it's time to shape shake it up. Yeah, time to disrupt the coffee industry with Pepsi AM. Just a thought, <laughs> Pepsi Co. Yeah, Pepsi. If you're hearing this, <laughs> if the president of pepsi is listening um bring it back bring pe- pepsi am so most of these products were from coke or pepsi so it was like it was like big brands but then rare versions of those brands and then there are a few reports of there being beers so it was really like people would go sometimes with like you know lots of money and just get like can after can after can trying to find a pattern but they couldn't find a pattern because it was probably just random there were no options to choose your flavor instead of buttons like on a soda machine where you choose what what kind you get 
all of the buttons were custom made and had these heavily faded buttons that say mystery in all these different colors. Yeah, it's very like a 70s kind of aesthetic, right? The buttons. Yeah, the buttons, the machine. Very groovy. Mm -hmm. So the big question is like, okay, who stocks this thing? Like, how are they getting access to bacon-infused Coca-Cola and all these discontinued flavors? And uh, we are not the first ones to ask this question. Um, no one knows. And so for a while, people in Seattle were, like, asking around. And especially they were asking this locksmith. But nobody knew. So it was like, okay, big mystery. Who knows? Um, this person is clearly, like, they were actively manta- maintaining the machine, if it was broken, which, you know, happens sometimes from vandals, it would be fixed within a few days. It was continually restocked. Um, it At some point, it was angered to a fence with a padlock. So it was like clearly someone was taking care of this this machine. Um, but But no one knew exactly who it was. It is significant to note that the vending machine charged 55 cents when it first appeared and also the date of when it appeared is kind of unknown. The locksmith claims that the vending machine had always been in front of their shop and they had been around since like the 80s. So you can imagine it's like quite old. Um, So when they first started out, their vending machine was charging 55 cents and then in 2014, it jumped to 75 cents, which is still pretty low considering the sodas in the rest of the nation's vending machines had cost like at least $1.25 for a decade. I remember in the vending machines at our high school when they bumped up uh, the vending machine prices by a quarter, it was like kind of a big deal. Do you remember that? Yeah, people were really upset. So... Then, finally, in um, 2018, the price was raised up to a dollar, which is the same year the Seattle sugary drink tax had passed, which was a $1.75 per ounce tax on certain sweetened beverages. And this tax went into effect on January 2018. And I feel like May I put on my conspiracy theorist um, tinfoil hat for a minute and point out that the same year that they had to raise their prices and the sugary drink tax passed, um, the machine actually disappeared. What? I just feel like I should clarify that the sugary beverage tax was 0.0175 cents per ounce. <laughs> So it's pretty tiny, but still. I'm sorry. Who knows? I remember writing that down. I was probably in a hurry and I was like, wow, they're charging more tax than the soda is worth. But I'm like, the way taxes, they're pushing these big government is taxing us these days. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Totally believable. Um. Yeah, thank you so much for that clarification, Bestie. That's why you're in STEM. <laughs> no numbers. <laughs> and and I have zero basic reading comprehension skills. Um. Anyways, Annie, can you talk a bit more about that disappearance? Okay, so everything was going totally fine. However, the machine just up and left in June of 2018. 
Um, there was a paper note taped where it used to be, and it said, went for a walk. The machine's Facebook page, which, first of all, before had been, you know, occasionally updated, had a few likes on it. The Facebook page posted, going for a walk, need to find myself, maybe take a shower even. Um, so this got you know, quite a bit of traction because everyone's wondering, like, oh my gosh, where is our beloved soda machine um it kept posting and it would photoshop the soda machine in front of all these seattle landmarks like i'm scrolling right now (laughs) i'm seeing the space needle i'm seeing like a sculpture the pike place market market. um the ferris wheel some art the gum wall where people stick their gum uh on talk like a pirate day uh, the mystery soda machine posted, how did the pirate get his soda so cheap? Because he bought it on sale. Haha. Ha. Hashtag talk like a pirate day. A picture of the soda machine at the zoo says, still out here and I'm having a very good time. And photoshopped next to some bears. <laughs> That's so cute. But I think it's funny that like all of these pictures were um, like it's the soda machine like photoshopped in various like Seattle attractions, but then inexplicably, the last one is the soda machine in Machu Picchu, the <laughs> only non-Seattle location, and the last. So maybe it moved there. Maybe it's out finding itself. And honestly, who can blame it? My personal favorite is the mystery soda machines post from June 30, 2019, where the soda machine was photoshopped to be like rainbow colors and it was for pride it says hashtag happy pride 2019 aww vending machine said gay rights an inspiration to all it also posted so Hajin it posted at Machu Picchu that was the last picture but the last actual post was October 19 2020 where it says I was thinking about making my way home but I'm not quite sure I want to be touched to which um, 86 people responded, mostly telling the soda <laughs> machine to please come back because they wanted their yeah. fun sodas again. It's crazy. Like, the most recent one was a day ago. Like, this, the mystery soda machine is on people's minds still. It's actively missed. You know, a lot of people have been wondering, who was stalking this machine? And how do we figure out who it was? And people have done quite a bit of digging. Um, the main you know, suspect is the Broadway locksmith. Like, you guys, if you saw a picture, it's it's this locksmith. It's the soda machine, and there's nothing else nearby. So, it's just yeah, like... Yeah, it's definitely the locksmith. It's definitely the locksmith. <laughs> He's so sus. They have committed to the bit, like, so hard. Like, it sat it's right in front of the locksmith. It's definitely the locksmith. And, um... <laughs> Also, it used a padlock from the locksmith, and it's just like, okay, it used the locksmith's power, and honestly, like, if it wasn't actually run by someone who worked at the locksmith, like, they would have definitely seen someone restocking. Like, you have to restock a soda machine quite a bit. I remember in high school, like, we knew the restocker from Coke, like, because we thought he was cute, and he would come frequently enough that we got to know him. Like... They must have seen this guy. He, he he said that that someone probably comes in and um, restocks it at night. But it's like, it's you, buddy. 
I don't know. He's so sus. He's like, just deny, deny, deny. Deny, Um, deny. But he made a rookie mistake by using his own padlock. I'd love to see him try to talk his way out of that one. I just feel like they put forth such a commendable effort to say that they were not associated with the machine. And, like, they were grilled by so many people over the years. Like, local sources have been onto this thing for a while. But after it disappeared, there were stories like in Vice, USA Today, and even former employees after leaving the locksmith claim that they have never seen anyone maintain or stock it. They probably make them sign like an NDA before they leave. It's like, okay. They give them like a hubba bubba soda and they're like, okay, we never speak of this again. The thing is, though, I'm sure that whoever was um, running this machine was making money and even if they weren't charging that much, like they were charging 75 cents, like so many people were coming to the soda machine that they're probably making a profit. And honestly, like what they were doing was kind of illegal because they didn't have any permits. So maybe they disappeared just because oh. they wanted to quit while they're ahead before they get fines. That's another theory. Wait, you have to get a permit? Yeah. So Jessica Lee of the Seattle Times when she was trying to figure out more about this, reached out to the city, and the city explained that for some reason they had no records regarding the machine, even though any, like, vendor that sells anything that you consume, like, should be licensed from the city. So they didn't have a permit. They would have gotten in trouble. So maybe they just, yeah, skedaddled before they got found out. Other people, though, on social media have been doing some digging of their own, Um, One Twitter user snapped a photo of what looks like a man and a woman in broad daylight stocking the machine. Um, It's really, like, impossible to tell who they are. Like, yes, there is one license plate, but the faces of both those people are away. And so all you see is that they're they're just wearing, they're wearing a lot of denim. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they just look not like our suspects. I don't know. They just look like a regular couple or i don't know a man and a woman and it's I don't just like assume. it's just like i don't know who i want this person to be but i just wanted it to be way crazier than just like these guys yeah <laughs> it's just these people in denim did you see that tweet it's just like everyone in the world is just some guy it's just like ugh, i want <laughs> i want the capital of mystery soda machine person to be like i don't know like a celebrity or something but but alas I don't know, like, people have just, like, conjured up so many crazy theories that, like, people on forums are, you know, like, okay, so during research, I guess 40% of Americans believe that, like, some sort of supernatural, like, entity exists in the world. Um, So considering that percentage, there's a lot of people who are, like, straight up, like, oh, it's a ghost who stalks the the machine. Um, And they also claim that it could be like the machine got stuck in a time loop or you know or got unstuck in a time loop and went back to where it's originally from or it got sent through a portal it's just like these crazy theories but it's like why are we not talking about how it's obviously the broadway locksmith (laughs) so i posted my story about this asking if anyone had information yeah and a few people did email me with like articles that were already written about it um which was great like thank you but then i also had a few like anecdotes some people that lived in seattle said that they had 
gone to the mystery soda machine and had loved it. One person said that in a Facebook post, somebody commented and said, so this is just like a personal Facebook post on someone's page about the machine. It wasn't on the official machine page. Someone commented and said, I know that machine. It belonged to a guy in the McCarty dorm at UW in 1977 to 78. His father worked for Coke, and this machine could not be adjusted to the current prices or something. Guess he had to do something with it after graduation. She replied to her own comment a few, like a little bit later. I guess he had a stock of weird sodas, too. We all used to buy it from him because he mixed in random beers. So I reached out to her. No reply. But I think that does definitely make sense. The idea that you're connected to Coke. You have this really old 70s machine. But it still doesn't answer, like, how do you have all these weird sodas? And also, why would you want to stay anonymous? Well, I think that... It's because of, like, all of the mystery surrounding it that there's people posting on the Facebook page to this day and that we're talking about it. It's just, like, there's so many mysteries in one. It's, like, number one, like... Where did it come from? Who's stocking it? And number two, where are they getting these sodas? And number three, where did it go? It's just so many mysteries packed into one. And so many mysteries. Also, the mystery of why the logsmith <laughs> won't, won't just admit it. <laughs> what What was his motive? <laughs> what is the Broadway? What did he... Why? I just... I want to ask. Depths of Wikipedia... Okay, Hajin, I have one segment, and it is going to require you to fill in the blanks. I will tell you right off the bat, like, I am not giving you a lot here, so don't overthink it. Just go okay. throw out a guess. <laughs> um, basically, we're talking oh about white coke, and we're going to learn all about what it is. So, basically, white coke was a clear variant of Coca-Cola produced in mm-hmm. the 19... Hmm... Um, tens. 1940s. At the request <laughs> of the Marshal of the... Hmm. Wait, can you repeat that? It was produced at, at the request of the Marshal of the... Hmm. Are you serious? <laughs> Marshal of the war? Marshal of the Soviet Union. Oh, I was kind of right. Honestly, kind of. Like, it was a World War II thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. Continuing on. Like other clear colas, it had the same flavor as the original, virtually unchanged by the absence of, hmm. Brown. <laughs> Caramel coloring. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Oh my gosh, I got it right? Oh yeah. my gosh. That was a big smooth brain moment, but I was right. Okay. <laughs> the Marshal of the Soviet Union was introduced to Coca-Cola during or shortly after. Hmm. During or shortly after World War II. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. That's correct. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. <gasps> wow, you really can't overthink these. He was introduced to it by his counterpart in Western Europe. Hmm. Are you serious? Any Western country? Um, Germany? (laughs) So it's actually Dwight D. Eisenhower. (laughs) Wait, what? 
<laughs> you made it sound like it was a country. The phrasing is a little weird in the article. Maybe we should change it, honestly. Okay. <laughs> so no, Dwight D. Eisenhower <laughs> was also a fan of Coca-Cola. But here's where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. Coca-Cola was regarded in the Soviet Union as a symbol of American... Hmm. American... Uh, Capitalism. Imperialism. Oh. He was apparently... In the in the vicinity. He was apparently reluctant to be, hmm, as consuming such a product. Seen? Yeah, basically. He was reluctant to be photographed or reported as consuming such a product. Such a product. So, according to one journalist, he later asked whether Coca-Cola could be manufactured and packaged to resemble, hmm... Um... <laughs> a sickle like that thing on the communist flag. <laughs> it's no. a sickle and something else. It's two things. I don't know the other. <laughs> he wanted Coca-Cola to resemble vodka. He wanted uh, Coke. <laughs> I was thinking the packaging. <laughs> I liked your answer. He wanted Coke, <laughs> but he just couldn't have it look like Coke because that would be too American. Oh. He had to have it look like vodka. Yeah, yeah, yeah quite the story so that's why it's clear so that's why it's clear um it it never really lasted a very long time it was it was just like you know a post-war thing for this guy but super funny that he reached out to the official coca-cola manufacturers and that they did this for the soviet union yeah that's a little interesting why well you know couldn't be seen with real coke looks too much like imperialism but why did coca-cola agree to do it Money? I don't know. Maybe it's just like a land grab of market share. Like all of the Soviet Union. Maybe they could have That's been really true. profitable. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not, you know, a big business person. I'm just speculating. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that was our show. Thank you so much for listening. And make sure to stick around after the credits for a fun segment, 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 segment. Wikipedia. Hey, thanks for listening to the Depths of Wikipedia podcast with your hosts Annie Rowerda and Hajin Yu. The main and accompanying theme was composed by Kyle Imperator. For more Depths of Wikipedia content, be sure to follow at Depths of Wikipedia on Instagram and TikTok. And remember, chances are you can get this week's wiki article on a mug at depthsofwikipedia.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and give us a positive review wherever you heard it. And now, your weekly segment. So we don't have a guest for our segment today, but luckily we have some really good segments. The first And is, I'm still here. And Hajin's still here. The most important <laughs> guest of all. So True. if you didn't know, in the 90s, Coca-Cola had this short-lived soda called OK Soda. It launched in 1993 and was completely gone by 95, and it failed so quickly that it never went completely national. Um, Just seven months after its release, Coca-Cola decided to cancel the whole project. But the reason people are still talking about it in weird corners of the internet are are because it had an unconventional marketing campaign that tried to just be very transparent, I guess, cynical. It didn't really talk about the taste of the drink at all, but it purely promoted feeling. And it also really tapped into this like 90s 
countercultural movement and had a really like distinct bottle design and just these crazy cynical slogans. So, so like 90s counterculture, like uh, like grunge. I'm trying to paint a picture. Definitely grunge. Definitely grunge. So, so like David Foster Wallace, that whole vibe. Exactly. Exactly. Just imagine okay. David Foster Wallace drinking a Coke product. You probably can't, but it would be this one. <laughs> so the advertising is ridiculous, and it was created by Associate Creative Director Peter Wegner. Uh, he's mentioned on Wikipedia. And I'm going to read you slogans and you have to decide if it's a slogan for OK Soda or if it's a slogan for, excuse me, or if it's a quote that I found on a quote website from a random celebrity. Okay. I'm ready. I have a good feeling about this. I think I'm going to do well. <laughs> I feel like you will too. Okay. Number one. What's the point of okay? Well, what's the point of anything? Um, that's a slogan. Nice! <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Like, it's yeah. Gen Z humor, kind of. It sounds like it's Wendy's trying to market to Gen Z. Yeah, no, it's like millennial. It's very like, oh, I, I can't adult today. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Next one. Everything will probably never be okay, but we have to try for it. Oh, okay. So all of these have the word okay in them. Is that what, mm -hmm. is that what's going on? I'm, yes. I'm <laughs> sensing a pattern. <laughs> um, that one is a celebrity quote and I'll give you the celebrity, John Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so right. Was I close? Because it was a celebrity, <laughs> but it was actually Vladimir Putin. Oh my God. I don't know if he really fits the traditional <laughs> definition of celebrity, but we'll take it. Okay, next one. I emphatically reject anything that is not okay and fully support anything that is. That sounds like a Bushism. Um, that is a slow. That is, no, that is a quote because it's a ridiculous. Like you can't fit that on a billboard. <laughs> it's a slogan. <gasps> no, that is next. such a curveball. Next one. If I don't run for president, we'll all be okay. Okay, I feel like that doesn't really make sense as a slogan. <laughs> Unless they really went for it. I'm gonna say it's by a celebrity. Mm -hmm. Any guesses on the celebrity? Um, uh, wait, give me a hint. I think I could get it. It is someone political. Okay. Is it Vladimir Putin again? <laughs> <laughs> it's Joe Biden. Oh, yes. I forgot. That's why it's familiar. Spoiler alert. He did, America. <laughs> the next one. The better you understand something, the more okay it turns out to be. That is a slogan. Yes, yes. Good job. <laughs> All right. Next one. Don't be fooled into thinking there has to be a reason for everything. Okay, so this doesn't have the word okay in it. It's a slogan. It's a slogan. Next one. I do not subscribe to any religion or endorse any political party or do anything other than feel okay. Oh, wow. I think that could go either way, but would you do three slogans in a row? I don't know. Right. 
It's a celebrity. Uh, actually, wrong. It's a slogan. Oh my gosh. Oh, it did feel like a slogan, though. Next one. Go with my you, have, you have to know that as long as you love who you are, your morals, your values, that type of stuff, you're okay. That is a, that is a um, celebrity. It's a political person. No? It's Nicki Minaj. <laughs> I said what I said. Was I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Is you okay? Is you? Good. Because I wanted to know. Um, that is Glozell. How dare you disrespect me like that? As if I was not on the internet in 2011? <laughs> you're right, you're right. That was Glozell. <laughs> um, next one. There is no real secret to feeling okay. Slogan. Yes, slogan. Whoa. All right, nice job. Okay, before we go, I have two real articles and a lie, which is my fa my favorite segment. I just think that the world of soda promos is absolutely crazy. Like all these, like Pepsi Blue, the Coca Cola Black, Coca Cola Vault, Tab Clear, Hubba Bubba, Bacon Infused. It's just like I don't know, but. You also, if you're Big Soda, need to market this stuff like crazy. And some of the marketing schemes that have occurred over the years are absolutely ridiculous, almost stranger than fiction. I'm gonna have two um, stories that are real and have their own Wikipedia article, and then one is made up. Are you ready? So ready, bestie. Number one, Sprite Free Flights promo. During a global recession of the 90s, Sprite offered a free flight within the U.S. to anyone who bought $200 worth of Sprite. So many people took up the offer that Sprite canceled the promo within 10 days after losing over $100 million. Number two, Pepsi number fever. In 1992, in the Philippines, Pepsi held a promo where numbers were printed on caps. And it was a huge success because it increased the market share a lot, but due to a misprint, on one day, 800,000 people won the grand prize, which was worth $40,000. And then the country rioted, and there were five deaths. What? Okay. Oh, right, but it might be fake. Okay. Number three. For the Magic Summer 90 promo, some Coca-Cola cans had spring-loaded tabs that would dispense real money or a gift certificate um, like within the soda can. But to make sure that people weren't able to just like find the really light can, they also filled most of the can with really foul smelling water to discourage people <laughs> from drinking it. Oh but then people, then people did drink it and so they had to discontinue the promo. Annie, if that one is fake, I mean, go to Second City. The world needs your, your improv, your, your creativity. Um, okay, so I know the second one is real because I don't know. I just know it is. The first one is so simple and the third one is so contrived and I'm thinking, what would Annie do? And with that, we are coming closer to my answer. <laughs> Which is that I unequivocally believe 
<laughs> that the third one is <laughs> is fake. Oh my gosh, you're wrong. <laughs> the Magic Summer 90 promo was real. <laughs> the spring-loaded cans, Annie, that's okay, real. hold up. You, you gaslit me because you nodded your head when I said the third one. I was just so excited that that I had that I had outsmarted you because the oh sprite free the sprite free flights promo that one's fake. You made that up. I made it up. That sounds so but real though. So the people drink the water, no dust there. Some people drank the water, but you would have to be pretty dumb to drink the water because apparently it smelled really bad and it was kind of closed off. Like, you would have had to, like... Like, if you had never had a can of soda before, you would probably be, like, trying to get into the water, but but anyone would have known, like, oh, this is not a normal situation. Like, something just... Some spring-loaded money just fell in my face. Like, maybe I shouldn't drink this. But, <laughs> you know, the American consumer proves time and time again that... They are often far dumber than you would expect. So true. Um, and a great, great um, little thing for our viewers to think about um, as we close this episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a great rest of your week. And yeah. And bye. stay awesome. Stay okay. <laughs> Just remember, guys, to emphatically <laughs> reject anything that is not okay and fully support anything that is.